0: Former world champion, Will Purdue, joining the show. Will, good to talk to you again.
1: Gentlemen, good morning. It's a uh, lovely day outside.
0: Uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing, Will. 12 hours ago, yeah, 12 hours ago, or maybe 13 at this time, I was in Puerto Rico. I've been in Puerto Rico for the last week. And then I said, this is what I came home to. I couldn't even breathe last night, Will. That's how bad it was when I got off the plane. So, yeah, thank you for, uh, you know, welcoming me back home with this wonderful weather um, but the Bulls themselves find themselves in an interesting situation, you know, coming off the win against San Antonio. You know, Victor, Wem- no, Victor Wembanyama. Um, but but the Bulls will. I know, you know, you and I have had some really interesting conversations about this team. And I first want you to talk to me about this squad since the return of, of Zach Levine and how he's he's fit into what some were calling, you know, a better Bulls squad with, with his absence.
1: Well, I think. You know, first of all, I think that's a that's a flawed statement, okay? At the end of the day, did they actually play better for a short period of time? Yes, they did. But what that also proves is is that when you challenge guys, but at the same time challenge guys and guys know that there's something to to gather, something to get from that challenge, and for a lot of these guys, when Zach is out, what does that mean? More shots for me. And when there's more shots, the old carrot at the end of the stick, right? Meaning that, Hey, I'll have an, op- an opportunity during the time frame that Zach is gone, that I normally won't have because of the pecking order and who the shots go to. So that provides a little more motivation. Those guys took advantage of it. Most notably Kobe white and you know, also, some other guys, you know, P. Will occasionally stepped up, had a big game. Io, you know, Javon Carter, who, when Zach came back, picked up two straight, you know, DNP CDs. So, it was an interesting dynamic. But I think we, what we really need to focus on now is, is how well Zach has played since he's been back. And quite honestly, guys, I think in order to fit in, Zach has made the ultimate sacrifice. And to me, that is passing up shots. There's a lot of shots over these last four games that Zach could have taken that he didn't. And probably the biggest thing is is when you look at his numbers is how he's averaging seven assists over the last three, six rebounds over the last three. And quite honestly, his defense has gotten better because I think he noticed why he was out, how important his defense would be to this team because I think he also realized, hey, these guys react to how I play. And if I take plays off, they take plays off. If I don't give 100% on defense, they don't give 100% on defense. So I think he did a nice job and learned a lot during that time frame when he was out.
0: You bring up a great point there about, you know, guys stepping up, you know, in the, in the absence of, you know, whoever is the incoming starter right there. And, like, for you, let's take the 91 season with the Bulls where you were behind a guy like, you know, Bill Carrey. What is that like, you know, if he's missing a game or two? What's that mindset like where you come in and then you're inserted into that starting lineup?
1: Well, it's a tough it's a tough line to walk because at the same time, it's not like, hey, I'm inserted into the lineup. I'm just going to start shooting it every time I touch it because they're going to take me out of the game pretty quickly. <laughs> right. But it's a situation where you take advantage of opportunity. Okay, obviously, when we ran, you know, the triple post, the triangle, whatever you want to call it. I know most people refer to it as the triangle. You kind of run the, run the offense through the post. So it was still the responsibility, to, you know, to run the offense the right way. But at the same time, I knew if I ran the floor, I was going to get touches. I also knew that, you know, much like Phil Jackson used to tell Horace Grant, if you want more touches, go get an offensive rebound. It just gave me the opportunity to do more, but to do it within the offense, because that's the hard part. You know, if you try to step up and say, all right, now's my time to shine. Watch me. I'm going to show these guys. You can actually create more harm for yourself individually than you can good. So that's the hard part. But it's just, it requires a lot of time off the floor watching film. And that's what practice does for you. And that's the hard part for these guys as well, because they just don't practice a lot. So you don't get those repetitions.
2: Now, the competition, we won't call it stellar, what they face since Zach Levine has returned, Will. Um, But they are four and one. You mentioned Zach Levine. His numbers have uh, skewed differently. I mean, against the Spurs, he plays, you know, 35 minutes, almost 36 minutes, and takes eight shots. But he has seven assists, six rebounds. I'm wondering, is this him showcasing himself for other teams, or is this Mm. a genuine effort Mm. to try to fit in with these Bulls and be here for the long haul? Because it doesn't seem like the trade market has developed, is developing, and we are uh, uh, less than a month out, right, from the trade deadline?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Marshall, the interesting thing is, and I think what people forget sometimes is, is that, when the toughest games to win in this league are the games you're supposed to win, especially for a team like the Bulls, because not a lot of times they're favored, right? Right. But they were favored against Houston, Charlotte both times. The Spurs, you know, it, it was kind of an interesting dynamic against, you know, Golden State, how well they played in the second quarter, and we all know what happened at halftime. And I think that that kind of, you know, suck the energy quite honestly out of the building and it affected how that team played in the third quarter. But to your question in regards to Zach, you know, it's at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Is this the true Zach Levine or is this Zach showcasing himself, you know, for other teams, regardless, we're actually getting the best version of Zach at the moment. Now time will tell what this is about because if we get past the trade deadline, and Zach starts to play a different way, well, then he's answered the question. But if he continues to play the same way after the trade deadline in February, then we know this is the true, true Zach. This is you know who he is, and this is what he stands for. I honestly feel like, guys, that at this moment, considering how things have changed for the team and the direction that they're going as far as the style they play, how they're playing, Zach pretty much wishes maybe he didn't make that comment. It might have been a little premature because of his frustration at the time with this team being five and twelve. But I'm also going to be honest and say I think his agent has a lot to do with this, and that's you know unfortunate for Zach because now he's taking a lot of heat because of what his agent is trying to do.
0: We're talking to Will Purdue here on 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez and Marshall Harris filling in for Mully and Hall today. What do you uh What do you make of Patrick Williams going back to the, the the bench and and just? Do you feel like it did some does something to his confidence, or you feel like he understands his role on this team? Talk, talk to me because a lot of people were you know high on Pat Will and what he was doing, uh, you know, just seeming as though he t- turned a corner, seemed a bit more aggressive, shooting that mid range a little bit more, you know. But then you go back to the bench, like, what, what what do you think about that whole dynamic there?
1: He's he's kind of in a difficult situation, you know. Listen. I'm going to be very clear about this. Uh, Patrick Williams, the person, is genuine and nice. And his parents have done an excellent job of raising him as as a boy now transferring into a man. I hope that my son picks up a lot of his qualities as far as like when you first meet him and how he presents himself and how he talks to you and how he does the right thing. Immediately sticks his hand out, gives you a firm handshake, makes eye contact. Yes, sir. No, sir. But the one thing we do know about Patrick Williams, the player, is he's inconsistent. He's passive at times. And I think the hard part is he's struggling to find out. We all know what he can do. We've seen it. The 20 point game here, the twenty two point game there. You know, we know he has the talent. We know he has the skill set. What we're talking about, and this is I'll I'll use this phrase for Billy, is can he sustainably do this every single night? Can, can he consistently put forth the effort every single night? And I think that's the hard part that he's struggling with. Sometimes he's in the starting lineup, and when he's not in the, when he's in the starting lineup, he knows he's not going to get up some touches. So he can't let that affect how he plays. He can't let that affect his aggression on the defensive end of the floor. You know, I'm constantly talking about on our show, as is Kendall, you know, he needs to rebound more. He needs to put forth a better effort. You know, as far as just going to the glass, put yourself in a position to maybe to pick up a stray, uh, stray rebound now and then. So when we look at the stats, we don't see 10 points, but yet only three rebounds, you know, one assist, you know, in 28, 29 minutes. He's got the body type. I just think that and I, I keep talking about, you know, somebody needs to be feeding this guy nails for every meal. Somebody needs to make sure that he understands his next meal depends on how he plays this game. And a perfect example would be this team playing the Cleveland Cavaliers, as talented as they are, they've struggled as well, but they need him to have a huge game because he's the guy that could be the X factor on a nightly, but there's a bunch of guys on the team that could be X factors, but I truly believe he's the guy that could make the, the, the most difference when he truly inserts himself, whether it's a starter, whether it's coming off the bench, it's just, we're, we're sitting here scratching our head Going okay. Who's the real Patrick Williams? Is it the guy that's going to give us seven to nine points a game and a few rebounds, or is it the guy that's going to give us eighteen or more points a game that could that has the ability to give us six to eight rebounds a game? And we're still trying to figure that out. And that's the the scary part is is because this guy needs a new contract, and the Bulls have to decide: do we sign him? Do we let him go? Do we trade him? What do we do with him?
2: Well, it's interesting that you say you know he needs to act like every game his meal depends on how he plays. Like he's, he's got to eat because that's ultimately what this is, is in a contract year. I think it's interesting that he's shown flashes, but that's been kind of the story of his whole career. Uh, the consistency and I guess him finding comfort in a specific role is something that's needed. And I completely agree with you on the rebounding. Like I, it's crazy to me. He can play like 27 minutes in a game and not get a rebound. I mean that it's, it's just wild to me. Will. I, we are at the legit halfway point of the season. 41 games in, 41 games to go. They're 19-22. and 22. They've won four of their last five. They're 14 and 14-8 since Zach Levine first went down with the uh, foot injury. I need to know what you think. And we talked about this a little earlier about their ceiling as a team, as it's constructed now, assuming Zach doesn't get traded. Or maybe even if he does – Do you feel like this team, which is currently in play-in position, can find a way to the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference?
1: That's, listen, that's best-case scenario, okay? I think that we all will say, you know, Arturis and Mark Eversley basically preached about continuity, the ability to this team to play games together, and, you know, what they did after the All-Star break, and, you know, however you want to look at it. But I think we'll all agree that the way this team is constructed now, they their ceiling, in my opinion, is to, to be specific with my answer to your question, is you know, let's best case scenario would be six seed. Okay. They're playing a Cleveland team tonight that's the fourth seed. That's 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 struggled with chemistry, quite honestly. They you know, there's whispers of you know, trades, but they're, they've also had some significant injuries as well. So tonight's a great test, but I think we can all agree that, you know, maybe you guys can come up with a better word, but this team is flawed. And I say flawed when you compare it to Milwaukee, when you compare it to Boston, when you know you compare it to Philadelphia, I understand they've beaten them twice this year in the regular season, but at the end of the day, you know, this team, and I say this every time I'm on the air On TV, when I'm on the air, depending on who I'm on with on 670, this team, to me, should have aspirations to do better than just compete in the playoffs. They should be a team that their aspiration is every year to be a contender. You know, I think right now you're starting to see teams in the East get better to where, at the present moment, the Bulls are the same. The Indiana Pacers have definitely gotten better. We obviously know what the, the culture is for the Miami Heat. But look at the Milwaukee Bucks, okay? Before they even made the Damian Lillard trade, they were a contender. But yet, they felt like that wasn't good enough. We want to put ourselves in a position to be a legitimate contender. So we're going to go out and we're going to make a blockbuster trade and we're going to bring in Damian Lillard. We don't know if this works or not because they too, I think they're at 38, 39 games. They're trying to figure out how do you play Giannis and Dame together and how does that work? It's obviously had a significant impact for the worse on their defense, but now they've basically taken the attitude, we're going to try to outscore you. But they did something. They made moves. This team's got to make moves. they got to be thinking about the future. they got to think about how do we get out of being just a playoff team to actually being a contender. And that's sitting on the plate of Arturis and Mark Eversley, and we all want to see is something, when is something going to happen, how are they going to do it, trade deadline's right around the corner.
0: You know, well, a lot of people, especially right now, are talking about, you know, speaking of, G- of GMs and people that are running teams, you know, about Ryan Poles and how people have faith in him or not to, you know, do what is right moving forward with the Bears organization. And I, my question to you is, you know, seeing what AK has done, not only, you know, his first go-round by putting together, you know, DeMar and Vooch with Zach and such and Lonzo, but but, but since then, how, how confident are you that, that AK, you know, can be the guide to – Take the Bulls and and make that, that 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 conscious effort to put them into the upper echelon of the NBA.
1: It's it's kind of TBD, um, you know, because we have we haven't really. I, listen, <clears throat> I'm going to be very clear. When, and let's talk about timing, okay? I want to say that Arturus and Eversley did the right thing when they brought in Vooch, okay? I, I truly believe that now. I also think that they don't necessarily use Vooch correctly or the best way on the offense. I think that Vooch could be really effective, like Jokic is in Denver, by running the offense through him on the high post because, A, he makes good decisions with the basketball. B, he's a willing passer. And a lot of people think when you say, hey, we got to use Vooch, Vooch needs more touches. We're not talking about down in the post all the time. Let's just slow it down and run a version of the triangle. Still got to play up beat but there's better ways to use him in the offense. And I think we've seen that periodically. But again, you go back to Billy, is it sustainable? Can we be consistent? You know, again, again, they signed Jack to the big contract. At the time, because they elected to keep him, they had to do that. Because it's not just about the contract, it's about the message you're sending to every single free agent, every single player in the league. We as an organization take care of our players. Come to Chicago. The question is, Will that work? Can they get free agents to come here because of the messages they're sending? Now they've backed themselves into a corner, and they have to make some changes. Things have to be different. Okay. We don't know truly when you may go to make a blockbuster trade or make something positive happen. They've made positive things happen in the past, but you know, you can talk about the, the, the Carter signing. I think that was a good move in the right direction. Quite honestly, Torrey Craig, you could say the Bulls have the best second unit in the NBA, the best second, but it hasn't necessarily changed the starting five to have that huge impact to make that big difference. And that's what we're hoping and praying they can do because we've seen some, you know, some things that they, you know, our did in Denver, but now can he actually do that in Chicago?
2: I, I just... You bring up great questions that we've really been asking the last two years. Like when they said they're going to run it back this past summer, I was like, I don't think that's the move. And obviously with the way things started with that 5-14 and start, it further proved a lot of people's hypothetical that it was not the move. Um, So I'm interested to see where it all goes. Uh, I want to revisit Friday with you because I was there for the Ring of Honor ceremony. Well, what did you... What was your reaction to what happened? I I thought it was avoidable on the Bulls' end because I thought if they had just shown Thelma there in place of the late Jerry Krause, there wouldn't have been booze. But the way it unfolded, to me, was predictable because all I've ever known is that reaction because, unfortunately, Bulls fans see him as the man who broke up the Bulls as opposed to the man who put it all together.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the... You know, there's so many questions now. I think they could have deflected a lot of this by showing her first before they even announced his name. Exactly. You know, it was um, the original owner of the Bulls. His grandson was there. I forget Dick's last name. You know, Johnny uh, Redcurve's son was there. Um, you know, but here's, here's the issue. You got it. Let's go back to the, the 20th reunion in 2011 of the 91 bulls mm-hmm. remember jerry Krause was alive and they brought him onto the floor and they, you know remember we did the little announcements and the players walked on and you waved to the fans they booed the hell out of them back then yeah you know and unfortunately this was and that was before the last dance yeah. now what the last dance did was throw gasoline on the fire so you know i just I, initially, I was stunned, but then I got mad at myself because I was like, "Why are you surprised?" Exactly. Because unfortunately, they've always booed Jerry Krause, always, and and it's it's really unfortunate. But the thing that aggravated me: we did our show from a suite, and we're all standing there and we're watching halftime, and it's going really well, and you know the fans. I don't know. I, I don't know what they were thinking. But the thing that that bothered me the most, I understand that some of the ones that have booed because they've always booed them because they're huge Michael Jordan fans and they just, they believe and they won't believe anything else that Jerry was the sole reason for the Bulls not being able to come back and protect, you know, and try to win that seventh championship. But that's not what it was about. But when I looked around and I saw people that weren't even alive in the 90s booing, and I was like, that's a learned behavior. Where did they learn this from? Their parents. Other people. So they knew no better, but they jumped on the bandwagon. And I think even if they would have shown Thelma first and mentioned Jerry second, that there still would have been some boos, but nothing like there was. I think what people need to realize is a couple things. Jerry was not the only person to blame there. There were a lot of people to point the fingers at, not just Jerry Krause. Because I can promise you, even if they would have tried to bring that team back, It wouldn't have happened because, what was it, eight, nine, ten of those guys were free agents? Right. People got to get paid. And I know people are like, who cares? Bring them all back. Okay. (laughs) Let me ask you. You own a business, and you know that there's a ceiling on how much profit you can make. But yet, I'm telling you to invest $3 million in your company, but you're only going to make a million dollars profit. So you're going to lose $2 million next year. So let's magnify that by 100 with the bulls. What position, what situation do you think you're going to make fine, sir, when I tell you this about your company, (laughs) just because you've made profit the first 20 years, you're going to take a $2 million loss just for the betterment of the company, because it looks good. I doubt it. So don't sit here and think that the bulls and the organization and the Reinsdorfs are going to do the same thing. That's not how, that's not how business works. I always tell people, if you think, and there's one team, the Golden State Warriors, it's an anomaly because of the Chase Center. But let me ask you this question, guys. Why did Mark Cuban, a man worth billions, the moment he won a championship for that organization, have a fire sale? Because <laughs> if you lose money when you win championships because of what you have to do in order to win a championship. So it's very difficult to convince organizations. The Yankees are an anomaly. The Mets, I don't know what the hell they're doing. (laughs)
2: They're spending money.
1: (laughs) Yes, but at the end of the day, it doesn't guarantee you're going to win. And I can argue the fact, I was on that 99 Spurs team, that older Bulls team with who knows, yeah, Michael, Scotty. But let's be honest, Scotty wasn't going to take a pay cut. Scotty was going to get paid, and he didn't care where that was, you know. The one guy that they would have brought back would have been Michael. And Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf rewarded Michael those previous years. Of, I mean, his salary was more than half of the salary cap. So it wasn't like he wasn't rewarding somebody. It's just the math didn't add up. The free agency didn't add up. The situation didn't add up. And these stories about Jerry Krause was in his office rubbing his hands together like the mad scientist going, <laughs> I want to bring a team in, it's going sh- where I don't need. It's all baloney. People have taken this story and they've run with it. I'll give you a quick example. I know we're running running long. Good. good. The story that Patrick Williams wants two hundred million.
2: He that's, never that's said wild. that. That's wild. That's
1: wild. A story was written saying and assuming that he wanted two hundred million, and people ran with it. He never. His agent never. I talked to his agent directly. That that number was never said by Patrick Williams. His his friends, his family, his agent. Nobody. That was in a story. People saw it. People have run with it. And now Patrick is a marked man by Chicago fans because they think he wants $200 million. Yeah, if the Bulls offer $200 million, he's going to take it. But they're not going to offer it, and that's not what he expects. But that's just how people run and run with information. You guys are in the business, right? Yeah. It's not, It doesn't matter if it's right. I just want to be first. I can retract it later. But if I'm the first one and people pay attention to me, I've gained what I wanted to do, popularity. But also, as Jason Goff spoke about, what does what does you know a crowd provide and an enemy? So when they mention Krauss, I can boo, and nobody will know it was me.
0: Yeah, and it was an unfortunate moment. But well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us all that information, a little bit of history, a little bit of everything. Just brilliant stuff as always. I look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Hey, I appreciate you, Marshall and Gabe. I appreciate you guys stepping in on a day off. (laughs) I understand the significance of today. I'm not talking about that, but I understand it's a holiday. Exactly. But I love the guys at the grit and the grind, the guys that step in when others take the night off or the day off or the morning off. And you guys froze your cojones off (laughs) to get up at 4 in the morning to get in there by 530 and little old Gabe, you know, his blood is thin, so he was probably whining like a little, you know what. I was. On his way into work.
2: I was, shivering. He was not ready. He was not
1: ready. He thought he
0: was ready, but he was not ready, Will. <laughs> Will, have a good one, man. I appreciate that. Enjoy your day off, all right? Oh, no, you're working uh, later. We're yeah, working talking later. About? Like oh, man, no days off for this guy. I like it. We'll talk to you soon, man. All um, right, guys, I
1: appreciate it. Enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Appreciate you, Will. Will I- Purdue.